0: Before we begin, I would like to apologize for the background noise in the last recordings. Um, this is mainly due to... I'm really a victim of circumstance here. I live in China. I live in Shanghai. The country is occupied by 1. Point, at least 1.5 billion people. It's really almost impossible to find a quiet place. You know, I've equipped my... Room with kind of acoustics and soundproof to try to make the sound better, but the background noise is something that I can't help. Is this you know this country is in is always in constant renovation, renovation. So um, I apologize for that, and uh, let's begin the plan. This was something of great significance to us. And so the day came late in May, Schneider contracted a fever. It was Miss Brown and Mr. Goldberg. The thing about substitutes in PS81 is that they were clueless. They knew the least bit about what was actually going on. And that what he did not know could not hurt him unless we got caught. It was made so that the Fantastic Four took every precaution not to get caught. Every step was looked upon over and over again. On this day, it was made possible that Benjamin brought with him a crowbar, eight screws, and a latch from his father's utensil box as to pop the latch off of the closet. To us fifth graders, The plan was as complicated as it sounded. Let it be known that out of the four of us, the two that got into the least amount for their actions at school were Benjamin and Thomas. Benjamin's father was adapted to the assumption that hitting does not make for a good child or a parent. Thomas had a single parent, a mother, who babied and spoiled him. These two were the instrumental factor in order for the plan to work as planned. Benjamin and Thomas were to fraud a fight, they'd argue, and then run out of the classroom to lure one teacher outside. This is where step two of the plan takes place. I knew that if I got caught, Yvonne would kill me, so I had the smallest role. I would rush out to the fight and see Fitz flying, would insist that Mr. Goldberg, or possibly Miss Brown, requested their help immediately outside. This made it appear that if caught, that I had not an inkling to do with the situation at hand. Rommel would then take the crowbar and break the latch, unscrew the latch part, unscrew the formerly adjoining piece that still had the lock on it, Then he would take the Nintendo, hand it over to me, and I would place it in my book bag until we got on the bus. I would then be our lookout. Ramel would then put a new latch on of the same brand. He would then screw everything back into the same place. The estimated time for all of this to take place was about two minutes. So at exactly 3 p.m., the plan was called into play. Thomas had started an argument with Benjamin, and they headed outside. Mr. Goldberg quickly ran outside to stop the staged fight. I ran out with him, and then Miss Brown interfered. Where are you going? I'm going to see if Mr. Goldberg needs help. Come over here and sit down. I didn't listen and ran out anyway. Miss Brown angrily followed. Miss Brown said, "Get back in your seat!" It turned out that Mr. Goldberg really did need help because the boys were really playing their part to perfection. Academy award-winning perfection. When I arrived back in the classroom, Ramel already had the latch popped. "I thought you was Miss Brown. Hurry up! Hold on, I'm working as fast as I can." The Nintendo was all the way on the highest shelf in the closet so Ramel had to step atop a chair to get it. It was an act that wasted valuable time. He tossed the Nintendo to me and I placed it in my book bag. Be on the lookout! I'm looking! I'm looking! By the time Ramel was unscrewing the latch, because the adjoining piece that had the lock still on it was ripped off the closet door, meaning that there were only four screws to unscrew, Hurry up! Listen, I'm working as fast as I can. By this time, he was screwing a new latch on. He had thrown the crowbar, the old latch, and a lock that was still connected to the adjoining piece to me. I was sweating, pissing in my pants. However you wanted to call it, I was doing it. I took a look outside the classroom. Oh, shit! Miss Ricks! She's coming! Damn it! Miss Ricks was like the equivalent of a dean in a high school. She was black, frustratingly single and ugly, and she didn't take any shit from us special education kids, especially the black children. You act up while she was around and she was sure to grab hold of your ear and throw you in her office, a 10 by 10 foot cubicle that was designed to be a detention machine. The unlucky detentee, would sit in that green-colored walled room all day and do reading and math exercises. Right until 3.30 p.m. when the bell rung. I hated math, and I was scared of Miss Ricks, but Ramel wasn't. Hurry, she coming this way! Then she saw me and started screaming at me. What you doing out your seat? Go sit your ass down! Yes, Miss Ricks. Rammel ran back to his seat with only six screws screwed in. It didn't look that conspicuous, although the latch did look a little crooked. Ah oh, man, I gotta switch keys. Rammel darted to the front of the teacher's desk and switched keys in the top drawer so that on Friday, Mr. Snyder wouldn't have trouble unlocking the lock. At that moment, Miss Ricks walked in. What you doing up, Rammel?" She had Benjamin and Thomas by the ears. I was looking for a pencil. You ain't got to yell. He had the key nicely concealed in his hand. You already got one on your desk. The point is not sharp enough. You want to be in an office with me? No. Then I suggest you shut it up. Then began the forever glorifying Miss Rick's speech to tell us how much we act like special education kids. Oh, boy. I could hear this racket in my office all the way down the hall. Yep, y'all special ed kids embarrassing yourselves. Why must you act like you are labeled, giving these teachers a hard time and whatnot? She pointed to me. You know how me and your mother is. I don't even know why you even trying to act out. But I didn't shut it. Did I tell you to talk? Answer me. No? Then shut it up. I'm calling your mother. You got something coming for you when you get home. A spark of electricity went through me, what I call a shakes. fear of what was to come. Later on, Benjamin and Thomas were to spend the whole day with Miss Ricks. I had witnessed her call my mother. When I got on the phone with her, I didn't hear anything but Yvonne's heavy breathing. <sighs> Uh, you know what to do when you get home, boy. Strip I was scared, so scared my stomach churned. Miss Brown knew I was mad at her because I thought she had betrayed me. She knew how my mother was, but we had the Nintendo, and that was all that mattered when three thirty came around, and it was time to board the bus. We came into a huddle. It was a typical May afternoon. The sun was beaming heavily upon us, and there was a slight breeze that whizzed by. You could hear all the regular ed kids chattering away with lunchbox in hand. I could see Miss Ricks, the hot rays directly targeting her narrow, dark, greasy skin. It was a beautiful day. Two of us would not experience that. Well, who's going to hold it? Ramel pointed to me. You have it for today, since it's already in your book bag. Nah, it's not going to be no use. I'm good for a beating when I get back home. All right, then. Just give it a Benjamin. It was about 15 kids on this special ed bus, and I was one of the last kids that got dropped off. Over there on the west side in the Bronx, on the corner of Sedgwick and 183rd, When I got to my building, I was opted to hesitate and stand outside for about 15 minutes because I knew this was the last time I was going to see the light of day. My mother knew exactly the time I was supposed to be home every day. I'd always wait for Aries' bus to pull up so that we could talk. Unlike me, he was in regular education. Yo, I'm coming upstairs to play with you today. Nah, you can't. I'm due for a whipping in a few. She ain't gonna let you up today. What you did this time? Ah, uh, me and my friend stole a Nintendo from my teacher's closet. But Yvonne don't know nothing about that. I'll bring some games to you. I've got Legend of Zelda, Bionic Commando, and Metal Gear in my house. That's cool, yeah. When I arrived upstairs, I was greeted by a flying shoe, which hit me straight in the temple. And what us people called a speed knot began to form on the front of my head. The bump felt like a rhino's horn. What I tell you, dumbass, about acting fool in front of those white people? But Ma wasn't no white people. You being smart, boy. I wasn't acting fool. I just got up and tried to help and stop the fight. That's what teachers are for, you asshole. I ain't do nothing. Strip. Why you always hitting on somebody? Strip. Come on, man. I ain't no man, motherfucker. The spanking didn't hurt, but my nose being bashed into my room door did. Being punched in the face by something that was supposed to be a mother hurt just as much mentally as it did physically. A river of blood came out of my nose. My left thumb was fractured again of trying to block her from hitting me. That didn't seem to stop her relentless fury. This was the reality of an 11-year-old black boy's horrifying nightmare. The next day, when I went back to school, I had a swollen nose and a splint over my thumb. Yvonne didn't even bother to give me an excuse this time. Miss Ricks knew what really happened, but there was a strong code of silence between Yvonne and her. When I saw her, I looked at her with such hatred. Miss Brown, no need. She wasn't going to do anything anyway. That day, Mr. Snyder came back, face red. I guess from that sickness he was trying to get over. Miss Brown must have told him what happened the previous day. He really looked pissed off, actually. His face was crimson and all. It always looked that way when he got mad. Every time he used to snatch us up and throw us on a desk when we wouldn't listen to what he was saying. At exactly 9 a.m., he slammed the door shut and, with a voice as thunderous as a roaring crackle, spit out, Okay, who the hell broke into the closet and stole the Nintendo? There was still silence. Listen, I already know who did it. Just admit it and maybe I will be a little lenient. But still, there was no sound. See, there was also a strong code of silence between us, youth and special education. I mean, come on, who would actually do such a thing like steal a Nintendo? It was Ramel! What? Yeah, it was Ramel, Benjamin, Thomas, and him. They're the ones who took it. See, son los que lo Ramel, Thomas, y Benjamin. No deep desiokens, Ecuador, and Ecuador, blah, 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 blah. Yes, it was Emmanuel, that bastard. Anytime he got real emotional, he had the habit of speaking Spanish. It got on my nerves. At that time, Miss Ricks and the principal came in to add further to the drama. I was extremely frightened of what was to become of us. He knew this was a big thing, something that nobody likes. Yvonne always said to me she could stand a whole lot of things in the world, but one thing she could not stand was a thief and a liar. All four of us were both. I had in my mind that one day we would have returned it. Yeah, we would have. You know... I would not have cared if you people stole a book or maybe something a bit smaller. But a Nintendo, that's and fifty Two Two things I don't like, and that's a liar and a thief. To think that I have thieves in a class just. And he kept going on and on, and then Miss Ricks had to get her say on the whole matter. After an hour of lecturing, We were sent to Mrs. Rick's office so they could call each one of our parents. I don't have to tell you what happened when I got home. Hey, listeners. This is Randall Sanborn Fields, the writer and director and producer and creator of American Nightmare podcast of The story American Nightmare Origin of the Golden Ninja This is season 1 We winding down Okay To The ending is coming very soon But season 2 Is in the works So We want to get ranked And we're hoping that Well I'm hoping I keep saying we Because I see us as a community But um I'm doing everything alone by myself. So, and I got to take care of two kids. (laughs) So, you know, this is, this is hard. Um, So I'm looking for not monetary support. You know, I don't seek monetary support. All I seek is your reviews. And how do you review? You just go to iTunes and you write a review. I'm a writer. I like to get critiqued. Okay, whether it be good or bad, a review is a review. So you know, um, in order to get ranked on iTunes, you must have reviews because that means people are engaging, right? Uh, so every, you know, every other day I put out stuff, and I I see people listening, right? But I, I don't see any comments, and it's like I need to hear from my audience. Like, how is this? Is it is it good enough? Should I stop? Uh, should I keep on going you know um, because I have tons of content I have tons of stories I've, I've been writing all my life so uh, season 2 is in the works and yeah you know we want to turn this into a television show I want to turn it into a television show <laughs> um, and would appreciate your your reviews and your feedback it will help us tremendously And thank you. This is Randall Sanborn-Fields signing out. Stay sharp, people. Stay sharp.